welcome to the Future Church Podcast. We are so excited to have you with us today. Before we get started with today's episode, we would love for you to hit that subscribe button wherever you listen, whether you're on iTunes, Spotify, whatever platform makes sense for you, but especially iTunes. We would love for you to give us a five-star rating. That's the highest possible. Give us a review on there. Leave us some kind words. If you're listening on anything else, rate, subscribe, all of that kind of stuff so you can stay in touch with us. And even more, if you feel compelled, would you share this episode with a friend? Uh, Maybe share it with somebody who cares about the future of the church. We would love for you to do that. It's going to help us out a ton. And if you need any information, you go to futureof.church or just check out the links in the show notes. And now for today's episode. Welcome back to the Future Church Podcast. This is episode three. My name is Taylor, and I'm here with Ashish. Ashish, the day after the Super Bowl, how are you feeling? Did your team win? Did your team lose? You know, I must say, uh, I was not rooting for any particular team. I've always rooted against Tom Brady, so it was not the most productive for five hour long time watching the game, but I got to give it to Brady ton of respect for the guy, seven championships, seven Super Bowl wins, unreal, man. Um, I don't know if he's the greatest sportsman ever. I would give Serena Williams that title because she's won 23 titles, but for guys, I would definitely put him up there past Michael Jordan for fantastic. Past Michael Jordan. That's a, that is a big claim. What's wild yeah, to I mean, me is seven championships, seven. That's the number of completion. But what is wild to me is he yesterday said that he is going to be back for eight. That's the number of new beginnings in the Bible. So is he going to begin an entire new career era and go until he is in his mid fifties? Watch. He'll be the first quarterback ever to play in his fifties. Mark my words right here. Future church podcast. No future football podcast right here <laughs> you, you know all all we need to do because i feel like tom brady eats uh hate or what was another way to say that he he loves it when you count him out right like from being drafted 199th overall in the year 2000 he's just taking it to the nfl year after year just ticked off angry just just that chip on his shoulder gets bigger and bigger every year if you count him out he will destroy you so i think what we have to do is just shower praise on the guy and just say he's the best ever dude you've made it you've arrived just now just we we love you so much winning just doesn't mean anything anymore just get out of the way <laughs> i mean it's pretty wild though i mean what a time to be uh, a sports fan like you and i were younger when when jordan was in his prime i'm not sure about you i, I knew who he was but yeah. i was a ken griffey jr fan i was a baseball kid i wasn't a basketball kid so I remember wishing when I was a teenager, young adult, looking back and wishing I was more aware of the Michael Jordan era. The most I knew about him was Space Jam. And we can talk about Space Jam. I've got the soundtrack. Do, 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 do. Do you know that song? I don't, but did you hear the second (laughs) one's coming out? I know, with LeBron. And I can't wait to see it, and I hope it's terrible. Because nothing can replace the first one for me. Totally. I, I'm right there with you. It was magical watching it. Um, what year was that? 96, 95? I forget. 
Uh, I was in sixth grade, so about 96. Yeah. Okay. Here, here's my theory as to why Tom Brady is the greatest, right? Tom Brady is a combination of LeBron and MJ. So he has, Tom Brady's been to 10 Super Bowls. LeBron has been to 10 NBA finals, but LeBron's record in the finals is four of 10, right? Mm. Yeah. And Brady's is seven of 10. Mm. So he's been to way more finals, just like LeBron than Jordan, but he's also won more than Jordan or LeBron after being to those finals. Well, and, and the idea that he could leave, uh, many people said for years that he only won because of Belichick and oh, yeah. leaving, leaving there, going to Tampa Bay, retirement city, and bringing a championship there like that, like they did, uh, was pretty incredible. I also loved seeing Gronk. I've never cared either way about Gronk. I'm not a New England fan, not a Tom Brady fan. He is fun to hate in the sports world. Um, and it was really fun when the deflate gate thing happened. It helped me process the loss of that Super Bowl for the Seahawks. Uh, it was, it was the, like, it was the, it was the, the thing that made it like 1% easier considering the fact that that was such a gut, like a oh, gut yeah. punch, man. It was, it was terrible. Totally. I've been seeing videos all week that are like memories from, you know, back in 2014 of crowds of people with, with zeal and excitement and anticipation for what was about to happen and yeah. the collective, like the collective despair that just rushed over the room as they watched the play. And you're seeing the faces of these people standing in clearly watching the screen. And I remember that was such a devastating moment. And yeah. <laughs> so all that to say though, I, I I've, I've always hated, I loved the deflate gate for that reason alone. I really don't think it's a big deal, but it was kind of cool seeing Gronk catch two of the three touchdown passes and Antonio Brown catching the third. That was kind of, interesting we'll see how all of that pans out but yeah for know, sure i want to throw back to last episode you know we were talking about you know kind of throwback christianity stuff christian tv and memes and all that kind of stuff and i'm actually holding in my hands uh cards christians like and we talked about it last uh last episode they are the official sponsors because i said so of this episode and I finally got it after waiting for months. Got it on Kickstarter way back in the fall. And I can't wait to play it. It's basically the Christian Cards Against Humanity. And, and I'm stoked on this game. You don't even know. I've been talking about it and I cannot wait to play it. Dude, I am so excited for you to play <laughs> this game and just like get even more entrenched in Christian culture. So you can become even more of an expert on stuff that I have no clue about. <laughs> I I don't know if I'm an expert. Um, okay, I am. I love it. I don't care. You can yeah, just own it. Call own me it, call me what it is. But you know, I, I I dig it. I dig the Christian stuff. But whatever. I I I, I think can, it's gonna be fun. Can I make a comment, listeners? Um, this is how you know Taylor is a Christian culture savant. He has gotten me onto christianpost.com to tell me all about <laughs> how like all the talking points that Christians are thinking about, quote unquote, or specific set of Christians who read this website or certain other news websites 
um, closely related to like a Babylon B or something like that. No, I'm just kidding. That's not true. Well, yeah, if you're outside of, I'm going to take a verse out of context and totally mess it up where, um, you know, the, the cross is, is foolishness to those who are perishing and Christian news sites make no sense to people who are not Christians. I totally, that is totally a misappropriation, but it, it unless you already kind of have some nuanced understanding of things, when you go into a place like this, you it's like you are walking in to like no man's land. It is just, it is foreign. But you know, one of the articles on the Christian Post, and just to be clear, I don't think I've ever been to the ChristianPost.com. If I've ever seen anything, it is, you know, somebody on Facebook posting a news article. So let me just say that in my defense. I don't want to come across as like some Christian fanatic, but one of the articles is that is interesting that I'll bring up um, is is kind of related to one of the the debates that we're having, debates, conversations, kind of existential crisis of our our day as it relates to church is, um, you know, you know, kind of comes to a head in California right now where churches have not been able to gather for months. Now here in Washington, we've kind of gone in and out of different regulations, but for some time now, we've been able to gather in person with, with some restrictions. Our church, I know your church is, it's different. Our church is gathering with limited capacity and masks. Um, other churches are, you know, choosing to just stay digital. Other churches have been doing it for a while, but um, we've had we've had a similar kind of mode of operation as California. However, California has kind of been stuck, I think, a little bit longer. Obviously, a larger state, um, but the the Supreme Court just ruled that churches should be allowed to have indoor gatherings. So they're allowing churches to do that. And you know, one of the things that have been brought up over the last many months is you know, kind of the debate around, and I'm not trying to get into the hot topics stuff, but, you know, with the let us worship rallies and, and the things like that over this last year. And, uh, you know, just kind of this, this assumption that, you know, you know, this is what the church is meant to be. And I, I wouldn't necessarily disagree with whether or not those rallies are valid. I think it, should be their right to do. Um, but it presents kind of this thing that can potentially, I won't paint it as it is, but can be an idol, the in-person gathering, worship as we've known it. And, but coming right up against this has been this forced kind of entrance into a brand new space for a lot of churches, mine included, perhaps yours. Uh, into the digital space, right? And, you know, we, we were talking about this idea of digital transformation. And some of these existential questions come back to things like, what is the church? And is church as we've known it, what the church is and has to be going forward? Can the church be church online? Um, and how much of a rush are we in to get back to church as we've known it? There've been some churches that pioneered and a year and a half ago, we might've sat in a room, you know, just thinking and talking and commiserating about whatever, debating whether we think these churches are 
are losing their marbles or not. And now we find ourselves out, you know, kind of 11 months into this pandemic, wishing we would have been on the front end like them. What's going through your mind on that, Ashish, when it comes to digital transformation? How do we think outside of the box um, when it comes to this kind of stuff? And what are you seeing with churches, people you talk to, my church perhaps, um, that is kind of raging against this impending change uh, for churches? Before I give kind of my thoughts on it, I, I have to say one thing. It's, I think, you know, Christianity and specifically Christians um, in the West, I can't speak for other parts of the world because I don't live there. I live here in the Pacific Northwest and in the United States, have a little bit of experience in Canada, but I feel like we, you know, Christians, um, we tend at times to want to find um, an enemy that's out to get us. We're always looking to be the persecuted few or the, you know, the government hates us or big businesses are censoring us or Starbucks is not making you Starbucks hates Christmas. And like just all these little, just all these <laughs> Josh first is that the guy? Josh. You know, just, yeah. It's just like this. We, for whatever reason, we don't realize our own dominance. Like we mm. are still the largest religious group in the West. I know that stat is slowly changing, mm -hmm. but at least for the foreseeable few decades, like we are still the largest group. So whenever we say things like, oh, we're, you know, we are, you know, we're the victims or we're, we're like, I, I cringe at that. And I, I don't know if I, Taylor and I are on the same page on that, but let me just... put an, let me put an asterisk to it because I would agree. There's two things I would say though. I don't think it'll be decades. I think if it was 10 years ago, it would be decades. Um, but I do think that the rate at which change is happening, I think two decades worth of change happens in two years now. And now I can't put a timeline on it, but I do think that idea that we're now in a post-Christian culture um, is happening. And then I'll borrow an idea that I've heard kind of in different spaces, but what is happening to Christians, which I think feeds into this mentality, which can be toxic, but also can be true in some cases, um, is this idea that, and we don't realize it, we don't know how to say it this way, but we're losing control. And we can feel the control, albeit we might still have it, but we can feel it slipping from our hands. Mm -hmm. And and I'm not saying me necessarily, but but I, I, I know in my, in my humanity, I also feel this at times, where when I feel like I'm losing control, what do I do? I reach for whatever I know as much as in, and as fast as I can so that I can regain some orientation to what I know to be true because that helps me to stand on the solid ground and yeah. we're losing control. So um, we, we no longer, and while we are the most dominant group and have the largest numbers, and I think still have a large influence on culture, I would say that there is much more of a divide than there used to be. And I think the trend is going in a way that is that is less dominated by the Christian worldview than it was back in the 90s. And um, it's kind of, it, I, I just think that is disorienting. And, but you could argue that, um, that Christians and the church were standing on two tectonic plates 
Um, but they were two plates and they were always meant to have their feet on one ground, but the plates were close enough to where they could stand there with some sense of ease and live in this assumption that it's not going to change because tectonic plates, they move slowly and gradually. So you can't even see them. The tectonic plates under the earth's atmosphere move really like inches per year. And so, but over time you can see that separation and suddenly the church is waking up realizing, oh my gosh, my feet are sep my feet are spread out. I'm going to have to choose where I'm standing now. And that move right there, I think is is was unexpected and disorienting, even though it's been happening underneath the surface for years. And so I think we're losing control and we don't know how to respond to it. So we go to what we know and we double down on that. Yeah. And that's where, like, I don't know if I completely agree. Right. Yeah. Like, but I yes, you do. Ashish. You do agree. I, I, don't I disagree don't with completely me. Completely agree. <laughs> this is our podcast but, together. You know, tell me where you disagree. Push back on. No, it. I, I argue because I, I don't I haven't studied it. Right. Like I, I'm not a historian. Like I'm not a I'm not a missiologist. Like I, I have not looked at trends. Um, so so, you know, we, we are all kind of entitled to our own opinion. And I think I think there's a lot I do agree with. I, I do think the, um, you know, there's been changes in, in sen- that like the, I guess the centers of power have shifted, right? Like yes. in, even in Christian culture. Mm-hmm. Um, I would argue that in some sense, you know, our care for, um, you know, black and brown brothers and sisters um, in our country has made us more Christian than we ever have been in our yeah. in American history. A lot of truth um, I, to that. Absolutely. I think our care for the poor um, and the downtrodden in some sense is better than we ever have it. I've have ever had. So I, I agree with you on a lot of respects. And then on other respects, I also see progress. Um, so that's where like, and this is where like, I think there's a healthy tension, right? Like I, I yeah. think. Um, I would agree. I don't think it's a ten. I think it's a tension, not a disagreement. Cause I wouldn't disagree totally. with what you just said. I'm more talking at a meta level. Um, the feeling of the collective Christian church is one where the control that was once perceived, at least, it, sure, control sure. like we knew it is no longer there. Yeah. And so, but to your point, yeah, a lot of things are actually moving in the direction where, and many, I think we would agree on this, that God is actually underneath a lot of this. And waking yeah. the church up to things that needed to be wake, waken up to. Um, yeah. But churches, as they operated and the comfort that they knew, the status quo that they knew, wasn't good or bad so much as they now clung to that status quo. And that status mm-hmm. quo is being ripped and they're reaching for it. But it's going yeah. whether they like it or not. And that, I think, is the disorientation. Yeah. And, and, you know, I, I think at some point in the near future, listeners, you know, we'll, we'll try to get some experts who are historians, authors who have really studied this. There's a, there's a book that I, I just read a few months ago. It's called um, Jesus and John Wayne that goes through kind of the historical last 50, 60 years of American evangelicalism. And that's where I'm kind of basing some of my perspective on. And I know there's mm-hmm. critiques on that take, but Regardless of, you know, we can't go down that rabbit hole for this episode, but the, the thing I think that Taylor, we started with was this idea of 2020 being this incredibly disruptive time. And you, you mentioned how different churches are kind of going through kind of a digital first 
revolution, if you will. They're yeah. trying to figure out how do we, with the quote unquote shifting tectonic plates, right? How do we find our footing? How do we find our, like our place of strength? How do we ensure that our community is pastored and loved? Um, and what does, what does evangelism look like? What does discipleship look like? What does community help look like when you're isolated um, or when you can't meet, right? And so I think, I think there is this tension um, that I think, um, you know, like, like, you know, you've heard us talk about on the, on the pod, how even our, even the churches we're a part of have taken totally different approaches for how we've responded. And a lot of those responses are reflections of the community that we pastor more than they are just our personal opinion, right? Mm -hmm. Like the communities we pastor are advising us that they, they need specific things. And us as pastors and leaders have responded in kind because we care about our people. Um, and so I think, um, I, th I think through all of it, the, the thing I'm thinking about is this concept of us as pastors and leaders of having this, having growth mindsets as opposed to static mindsets. Yeah. Um, Taylor, have you heard of this term called neuroplasticity? Heard of it. Enlighten right. me. Enlighten me. Yeah. So it's this concept um, that I will not do justice to it, but um, there's this great book and we'll put the, put all this in the show notes. There's this book um, uh, by Carol Dweck um, where she yeah. talks about growth mindsets. And the reason I was interested in the book first was I heard, <laughs> right. This is my tech side coming in. I heard that when Satya Nadella stepped in as CEO at Microsoft and absolutely needed to change the culture there, um, he made everyone in the company, or I don't know if he made everyone in the company do this, but he encouraged everyone in the company to read Carol's book on growth mindsets. And it's this big neuroplasticity is this idea that um, the neural pathways that are in your mind, the neurons that are firing, that the ways you think and the way you think about how you think like all of that, the meta level, the actual thinking level, there's a way to ensure that the way you think is not so static that it can be broken and messed up with disruption. But instead you're looking at opportunities like 2020, um, you know, or whatever disruption that comes your way, some life change, a new kid, you know, new kid joins the family or, you know, there's transition in the ministry in your church um, you know, someone says, Hey, I'm going to transition out or whatever, whatever that looks like, um, that disruption can be viewed, not as a thing that breaks you, but as a thing that gives you an opportunity to think better and deeper and more imaginative about what the future holds. And so, you know, leaders who, um, have growth mindsets, right. They are not know-it-alls, but they are learn-it-alls. And I, I, it's not something I came up with. That's something I heard. That's great. Um, but I, I've never forgotten it because even with 2020, like I'm loving the creativity that different churches have with how they're trying to navigate um, isolation and, you know, everything that we've had to deal with in the last year. Um, so, yeah, I'll, I'll pause there, Taylor. I don't know if you want to add to that. Yeah, well, I mean, that's a challenge for me as a pastor. I tend to, there are things that I resist when it comes to if we specifically lean into the technologies and, and um, internet social media space and some of it I have the excuse of I'm 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 busy enough I don't need another 
platform to be on. Like I'm on Clubhouse and we'll probably do something with it. We've talked about it, right? I still yeah. don't really understand what it is. And I haven't had 15 seconds to research what it is. I logged on and I have not opened the app since because I don't want to, but you said that uh, leaders are not know-it-alls, they're learn-it-alls. And there are times where I'm realizing, I'm realizing right now in this season, where I held myself to a standard with the excuse, and I'm not saying across the board, I'm not saying like I gave up on life, but I, I allowed myself the freedom to not, um, and I'm not talking about rest and, and balance and doing what only you can do, but I allowed myself the freedom to settle for not needing to learn more, right? I remember a conversation I had a couple of years ago that just came to me that um, there was a, a youth pastor that I was talking to and he and I were in similar seasons and, and similar spaces and, and we, we caught up for coffee. He's like, yeah, I'm going back to school. I want to get my master's. And my first question was like, why, bro? Like you already have your bachelor's. Why would you do that? And because I couldn't imagine myself being in a space where I needed to learn more. Now, consciously, would I ever say that? Absolutely not. I want to continue to learn. I want to grow. I want to learn more. I want to learn more about the Bible. I want to be deeper in my relationship with God. I want to learn more from reading. I want to learn more about leadership. I want to learn more about church history. I want to learn more about people. I want to learn more about the mind. I want to learn more about faith. I want to learn more about my neighbors. I want to learn more, learn, learn, learn. Like I do, and I've always believed that. Yet what I've allowed myself to fall into sometimes with a justified excuse is to settle. All right, I'm in a comfortable space now and I got hashtag kids, so I don't need to learn more right now. And what that ends up doing is keeps me in a space where I don't have to really think and innovate and ask hard questions and give away authority, give away opportunities, and I can just operate on the normal. But 2020 totally disrupted that. And I realized some of the, I'm realizing, I shouldn't say I realized, I'm continuing to realize where some of my mindsets are keeping me in a state of ease. And so like even for instance, at the practical uh, level, um, you know, when it comes to our youth ministry and really leaning into the digital space and how do we utilize social media in particular and video to disciple students, we've got a good 40% of our youth ministry who are not coming to our in-person stuff um, because, uh, you know, I've, I talked to a family the other day whose 92-year-old grandma lives at home and they are, they're really protective, rightfully so. And I was like, you guys are in a tough spot and they can't guarantee if their 14-year-old daughter goes on a Wednesday night that she's not going to bring something back. And I understand that. We've got so many cases like that where it's parents are choosing to stay home, keep their kids home, some who just don't feel comfortable, some who are waiting for no masks all over the board. And so, but those people staying home doesn't eliminate their need to grow and be discipled and be formed into the image of God in community. But I've almost allowed myself to come to this space where, but eventually they'll get back to it eventually they'll come back and then they'll get what they've always needed. Now, I believe fully that there's something different about the in-person, like person-to-person human contact. There's something special about seeing a smile on someone's face. There's something spiritual about a smile and a hug and a prayer and a tear. You cannot, 
you cannot get that full effect in a digital space. However, I don't think that we, I, I imagine some of the churches in the New Testament before the Roman roads or some of the people in that the mentalities that they had that was tribal and for their village only, their family only, their community only, and the roads exposing this this threat and possibility, right? Because it's a threat too. Every possibility is a threat. Every threat is a possibility. And then I, I imagine there being conversation in homes 2,000 years ago or however long the roads were developed saying, oh, what's going to happen because of these roads? Who are they going to let in? Um, you know, and all of this kind of stuff, stay away from the roads, bandits hang out on the roads, you know, stay away from the roads. Um, you know, that's where the bears hide out. I don't know, you know, and the fear of that. And yet that was what Paul used to take the gospel. And we're here today because of those roads. And so there's that tension, but really asking ourselves the question, how do I get over the fact that this is uncharted? get over the fact that this is difficult and get outside the box without crushing the box. Cause the box isn't bad until we decide that we have to stay inside of it. So what are some of those out of the box things? How, how speak to someone like me, someone in my shoes, who's living church out and they're either afraid to step into that digital space or whatever it might be. How do, how do we get outside the box to lean into this um, without crushing the box? Yeah, you know, one of the, re I'll, I'll kind of harken back to um, why we started this podcast or maybe why I started this podcast, right? Like one of the motivating reasons why I texted Taylor and said, hey, we should start a podcast. Um, I'm not just thinking about this year. I'm not just thinking about the next year. Um, it was actually really funny the other day, I'm sitting in my car and I was dropping my son off at basketball practice and with his buddies. And so I'm sitting in the car doing some reading for seminary. And I just started imagining what the world was going to look like when I was 80. Wow. <laughs> and I was texting Kaylee about that. My wife, I'm like, Hey, like, you know, this will happen. And maybe this She's will like, happen. Ashish, come back to earth, please. <laughs> you know, like, so I'm, I'm definitely not thinking that far out for our podcast, but what I am saying is, we have to think with the future in mind. And instead of forecasting, we backcast and we say, what are the things we need to have in place now to get us where we need to go five years from now, 10 years from now. So business leaders do this all the time. They say, Hey, like, I don't know what the future holds, but I'm going to start like, like a product roadmap, right? Like as, as a product marketer, I'm not thinking just about this year. I'm also thinking a couple of years down the road, CEOs, right? They're thinking, five years down the road, 10 years down the road, good, like great lead pastors are not just thinking about right now. They're thinking, where is this thing headed in the next few years? So that's really what I'm getting at with the growth mindset. It's this backcasting idea where we say, this is where we believe God is leading the church. Right. And if this is where we're, if this is where we believe we're headed and you don't really know it completely, but you kind of have a faint image of where that direction is, you can backcast and you can say, okay, what are the, let me work backwards now and say, what are the things we need to do in 2021 that'll prep us for 2023, which will prep us for 2025, right? So um, 
it's not to say that Taylor and I have that figured out. I think it's still something in progress and we're not senior leaders at the churches we serve at. Um, so, you know, we're not naturally thinking in that way. Yeah. Um, but I do think for the future, it's not that someone's going to have the answers. Um, you know, you know, this often happens in business and I think it happens in any organization It happens in church, the solutions to our problems, the ideas for the future are already percolating. They're simmering, they're boiling in, in the community itself in the organization itself. There is somebody in your church that has an idea for where the church should go. There's someone who has vision and perspective and an opinion who loves the church and cares about the place, or they, maybe they don't even love the church and they just have an opinion. There's a lot of people like that too, right? Yeah. Um, but like God can use all kinds of voices to help shape what that future looks like. And it, like, you know, Taylor and I know this from Bible college days, wisdom comes in all shapes and sizes. Um, it doesn't always come, you know, tightly packaged, um, you know, palatable, approachable. Sometimes it slaps you in the face. Yeah. Um, and I think it's growth mindset leaders who are going to look at wisdom or look at like these ideas, fresh ways and say, where do we want the church to be in five years? Right. And then yeah. just work backwards. Too many of us are trying to go back to something when we should be asking the question of where is, where does God want us to go? Like, we don't have to go back to the glory years. Like, like I, this often happens to Taylor. You know, I, I, I think I drank this Kool-Aid early on in my ministry tenure. I was like, man, we got to get back to the early church. That was the, the, the greatest thing ever. This was, we got to <laughs> go back to that. And, you know, the, the early church was incredibly dysfunctional. <laughs> like there was good and there was also bad. Like there was a lot of great stuff. And then also things that just, if you actually look at the history, like, oh my gosh, like these people were horrible. Orgies. Um, no, I don't know if it was that bad. <laughs> Maybe I, I think worship. Paul was trying to Paul was trying to excommunicate those folks. Yeah. Well, it was <laughs> um, happening nonetheless. <laughs> yeah, it's all under grace, apparently, for those folks. So TNON, man. Um so TNON.com. So, so so all I'm saying all you know, I don't know if I'm answering the question, Taylor, but I think for the way I'm processing the future is I'm asking God to give me like the ability to think about the future more than reacting to the present. Um, yeah. I well, think I, that's, yeah. I was reminded of Isaiah 43. I'll read it. it says, uh, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you perceive it? But then he goes on to say, I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. And I, I think what, what, is coming to my mind is can we see that God is actually doing a new thing in the wilderness and in the desert. And sometimes the future comes when we can see actually what God is doing now in the midst of not stepping in yet to what is next. Right. Cause there could, we could look back 10 years from now or 50 years from now and say, yep, that was the shift. We don't know right now. What we do know is in some, if we were to use this analogy, we're in a desert place or we're in a wilderness place. We're in uncharted territory. We've never navigated this as a nation, as a world, uh, in, uh, as far as people who are alive. We've been through pandemics before, but long, long before our grandparents were alive, right? And so our society, us, our churches, even many of our denominations and around the world, we've never navigated this. So 
by all intents and purposes, it's a wilderness space. But when we're in that wilderness space, that's where God said to Isaiah, I'm doing a new thing. Can you see it? Do you perceive it? And he's not saying I'm about to do a new thing. Start imagining it and eventually you're going to see it. So I, I think that there's something to be said about how God uses the wilderness spaces to actually reveal the way and the rivers. So the way being the direction to go, the rivers being the provision of God within it, all of that kind of stuff. And I think, I think that this is one of those seasons. And I think the way, you know, we have to be open to the way looking just different. And I don't like, I, I loved, like I was looking at videos of our first service in for youth in 2020, um, back in January. And I remember the moment we had, we had this prayer moment and this, just this moment of worship and it was deep and it was great. And, and I would love to go back to that just being the norm. I would love to go back to that being regular. Uh, not to say that that is the epitome and the only thing that we do as a ministry, but those are, those are some of those kind of key moments that you grab a hold of and you remember. And we had those frequently and those look so different now. And but how much how much time am I spending in energy creation? Uh, back to the what is it the growth mindset and the static mindset, right? How much of my static mindset is going back to? I need to get back to that. I need to hold on to that because that's what matters most. And God is saying, "Yo, you're going to have some of those again, but guess what? I'm doing a new thing too. Can you see it? Can you see the invitation I'm giving you right now in the wilderness? There's actually something brand new I have for you." I love it. I, I, I love that passage. I think it's, I think it's such a poignant representation of our time. Um, you know, the, you know, uh, I was, you know, as I'm thinking about the context of that, of that, you know, it was Isaiah. Mm -hmm. um, so what's interesting about, and I forget the prophet in the, which minor prophet said this might've been even Jeremiah, I forget, but one of them said, it might've been Ezekiel, maybe I'm, I'm all over the place. I'm taking an OT history class for seminary right now. And my brain's like, you know, all these prophets. Um, but there's this story of how the, you know, the Southern kingdom of Israel, right, which is the tribes of Judah, the Judahites, they're in Babylon. Mm -hmm. And um, a lot of them are not settling because they're, they're like, we're going to go back to Judah. We're going to go back. We're going to go back. We're going to go back. And I think it's Ezekiel, if I'm not mistaken, I could be completely wrong. Listeners, please correct me if I'm wrong. Ezekiel tells them, no, plant vineyards. That's Je that's yeah. Jeremiah. Is it Jeremiah? Okay. Yeah, it's See, Jeremiah. I, I don't even know my Bible anymore. Taylor knows this. Build He's, houses, he, have kids, yes. have them to yes. have kids. Yes. Go and get I think coffee on Saturday mornings and go sit in the park, throw a frisbee. Absolutely. So it speaks <laughs> to what you're saying where there's this concept of don't let the disruption, like don't let like right now, the lack that, the, sorry, the fact that we're not in before 2020 or the fact that we're not in the future limit what God can do right now. And I love that thought, Taylor. I think it's a, it's a really, really important thought for us as pastors and leaders. I'm curious how many people in those days when they would hear something like God saying through a prophet, you guys, it's going to be a long time. And, uh, so get your roots down. I mean, cause we, we read the Bible and we read these, we read these stories that took place over decades. 
You and I have been alive for three and a half decades. Some of these stories, some of these kings reigned for, you know, in, in judges and, you know, throughout the history for longer than we have yet to live. And some of these situations went on for decades and decades and all this kind of stuff. And we read it like, wow, that was, you know, this happened and then God fixed it. And here we are. No, there were people who lived, were born, grew up in, lived their adult lives, had kids, had grandkids, and then died off without that situation changing. So God's message to people in the midst of that is not, I'm pulling you out of it. As a people, as a, as a, as, as a race, a humanity, I'm going to move things toward my end and for my kingdom. But guess what? You guys are here right now and don't think that my plan is lost on this moment. Mm -hmm. Like I'm still working, but in order for me to work, I'm going to work through your regularness and I'm going to bring about my purposes and my plan through your lives and your relationships and your functioning, your, your walking in your purposes. And then as you do that and it passes generation after generation, generations down the road, I will fulfill my promise and it will be because you planted houses and you built gardens and some of you tore down things that were holding you back and others of you built up. And because you did that, you functioned how I was calling you to function and generations from now, they will look back, not knowing it was you, but thank people like you for being faithful in the midst of the wilderness. That is God making a way in the wilderness. Yeah, absolutely. You know, the Bible is filled with stories of exile and promise, right? Uh, captivity and promise, um, struggle and promise, like slavery and promise. And, mm. um, and, and it, it's, it's, you know, there are scholars and theologians who would argue that really our Christianity is kind of a new Exodus theology, right? Like it's this it's this picture of us leaving slavery, leaving exile, leaving captivity and entering into this place of promise, mm. this, this place of provision, fruitfulness and, and, and blessing. Right. And yeah. um, I think one of the travesties of modern life is we don't know how to handle disruption or pain. Um, we, we have lived because we're so, I mean, just, I mean, I don't know, listeners, if you really think about this, but we are so blessed living in America, right? Like if you have money in your bank account, you're better off than most of the world, right? Like there's huge populations in the world that are struggling. We are so blessed. And sometimes we don't realize that. And so when something disrupts our blessing, and I, I would even throw the word exceptionalism in this. Mm -hmm. When something disrupts our exceptionalism, we tend to get completely discombobulated, forgetting that actually we are the privileged ones. We are the blessed ones. Mm. And we need to build that spiritual muscle of perseverance and faithfulness in the wilderness, right? Like what Taylor's talking about, like building the muscle of, humility, building the muscle of, of kindness, of forgiveness, like all the stuff that Jesus says for us to do, even the fruit of the spirit, like basic, basic stuff. When we get disrupted, sometimes we get thrown off course. Mm -hmm. 
And I think it's so key. And I think that's why like growth mindsets are a part of this as we think about even digital transformation. As you are a pastor and leader and you're engaging with your community, you are, res- you are responding to the needs of your community, right? Like if something, if as a pastor leader, as that shepherd, you are thinking through the filter of how can I ensure that the community and the, the church environment that we create is serving our neighbors, serving this community, serving this city, serving this area. Like, you know, I remember Taylor and I in Bible college, I remember, I forget who it was that said this, but the question was, if your church just one day disappeared from that community, would that community miss it? Mm. Right. And, and I can confidently say that Taylor's church and my church, like if we just disappeared from our respective neighborhoods, those neighborhoods would absolutely miss our cities would miss our churches because like our pastors and leaders are thinking about the people they're thinking about the area and they're asking the questions of where we headed what does god have for us how can we backcast and step into the future as we like steward the present um so i just love that yeah i think that's great i i i love i th- and i think we can wrap up there i think the question we should be asking is it's what it's kind of alongside that if our churches or if my i i could zone it down to my level if i'm as a, as a neighbor if i left my neighborhood would my neighborhood feel it and if i left my church would my church feel it if my church left my neighborhood would the neighborhood feel it and um and then we should be asking now if god's intent for a church body within a community is so that it would add value and bless the community and and ultimately bring redemption to people in it then what are the tools that he's giving us and we are we only looking at those tools as a means to function the way that we're used to functioning my dad got me a tool for christmas and i immediately assumed oh okay so this is just another tool for my belt to do whatever and then I remember he came over saw it in my garage he's like what is that doing there I was like what do you mean dad I'm Taylor Murray I don't do tools he's like well I I forgot to tell you why I got you this and he goes through and begins to tell me the reason that he gave me this tool was complete I had no clue it didn't even register in my mind when I opened it I'm like oh thanks dad because I was so in the mindset of I get tools to do things that I do, which is, you know, I don't use a ton of tools. I'll do things here and there when I need to fix stuff, mediocre level. And I didn't even hear, he was actually giving me a new tool to do a new thing. And perhaps God is giving us new tools to do new things, um, to accomplish the same old things, which like you said, it's the fruit of the spirit. It's to go about, everywhere in our community, bringing healing, redeeming what is broken, bringing healing and love and kindness, all of that kind of stuff. The simple, most basic stuff that Jesus came to upend everything with what has always been needed. And yet he's giving us new tools to do new things to accomplish the same old stuff. And I think I think that's great. And I think that's where we leave it. Love it. I, I love that. I, I was I was just gonna add, I don't know if you wanna actually add this in Taylor, edit this. I can edit, out. I can edit. I'm editor like a champ. So I'll just say this last thing. Um, most of what the kingdom of God is about 
are those simple things, right? Like it's it's not the cool, um, you know, extravagant, charismatic, like flash in the pan, like yeah, I got the coolest building or I got the coolest program or I got the coolest lights or smoke or all the stuff that we used to think was cool like when we were younger. Like the older you get, you realize like actually life is about a few things and ministry is about a few things and people we're looking for a for a small handful of things if we have those things people are good and and that's what church is all about and i think as pastors and leaders when you get to where taylor's is talking about this idea of 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 finding what that is it's timeless and and truly informs where you head in the future so i'll leave it at that i love it that's awesome stuff ashish Next episode, we're playing cards Christians like. Get ready. It's about to blow your mind.